Hi there, you're listening to the Speak On It podcast, a program facilitated by Youth Advisory Board members of the Steve Fund. The Steve Fund is one of the leading nonprofit organizations in the United States that promotes the emotional and mental health of students of color. The goal of this podcast is to create a space for students and professionals alike to come together to discuss a plethora of topics relating to mental health and the challenges that Black, Indigenous, and people of color may face during their academic and professional careers. Before we begin our conversation, we would like to leave a disclaimer that this podcast cannot and should not substitute a mental health provider. If you or a loved one need help, please reach out to your primary care provider or the Steve Fund Crisis Hotline, which you can access by texting Steve to 741-741. Thank you and enjoy. Hi everyone and welcome to the Speak On It podcast. Today we will be talking about expectations and what they mean to us and where they come from. So first let's start with some introductions. Hi everyone, Uh, my name is Shay. I am the current chair for the Youth Advisory Board for the Steve Fund. I am currently in sunny Houston, Texas where it's a bit humid, um, but hopefully I'll be able to have time to play tennis or run around later today. Hi, I'm Salorna. I am a junior in high school, rising senior, um, and I live in Irvine, California, and I'm here as a guest of Caitlin. Hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Dr. David Rivera. I'm an associate professor of counseling at Queens College in the City University of New York. I'm also a national advisor to the Steve Fund. I'm calling in from Brooklyn, where it's very humid, and I'm not sure if it's very sunny because I can't see outside from my apartment right now. Hi everyone, I'm Danny. Um, I'm a member of the Steve Funds Youth Advisory Board. I'm currently taking a gap year in between high school and college, and I'm calling in from New Rochelle, New York, where I live with my family, and it's pretty sunny here and humid. And my name is Kaylin Huang, and I am a Steve Fund Youth Advisory Board member, and I am from Dublin, California, and I am currently a junior in high school. So to start off our conversation um, about expectations, Um, I guess like one of the first things we want to ask are um, how are expectations supporting our well-being in general? Like how do we utilize them to support ourselves? I think it's nice to give yourself some structure. So like whether expectations come from yourself, your parents, or the school that you're a part of, or an organization, or a sports team, they basically help us live up to our standards. And I think um, they can be really positive because we can reach a goal and then we can set a new goal and think, what am I going to do next? And continue to see ourselves improve, see others improve and improve as a group. So I think it's really good to have um, expectations like performance ones and otherwise. There's definitely sometimes a negative side as well though. Um, I think sometimes not necessarily setting them too high, but maybe just setting expectations around the wrong things or fixating on like, I guess the wrong things um, that don't really matter as much. So even if you did achieve it, like, that would be great. But I guess just, like, when, when you create stress, it's like, I, I wonder where that comes from. So that's something I ask myself sometimes. It's like, how can I reframe my goals in a way that just serves me and makes me feel better every day that I go about achieving them? Um, I definitely agree with what Danny was saying. Um, I think that one way that it can help our well-being is if we set kind of daily expectations for ourselves, because not only does that um, maybe help our goals get done 
for the day, but also if we don't maybe meet our expectations, we can kind of sit down for the day and think about why we didn't reach those expectations and also um, realize that it's okay sometimes not to reach your expectations. And that can kind of give you the foundation for the long run where the expectations, the long-term expectations you set for yourself, they might not come true or they might um, turn out in a way different than what you expected. So starting with that daily foundation might help you build that kind of relationship with yourself and the expectations you have to be able to be okay with maybe not reaching them sometimes. Uh, personally for me, the expectations, they help me because they act as like a motivating factor where they help me like, they give me a purpose sort of in life. And it makes me feel better when I accomplish like many achievable goals in order to accomplish a much greater goal. Just like everyone is sharing, you know, expectations are an important and vital source of motivation that help us to accomplish whatever we set off to, to do in our daily lives. And they help us to establish goals uh, for ourselves and for the work that we are hoping to accomplish. Um, but just like everything else in life, um, expectations can cause us harm when we don't consciously and uh, intentionally um, consider their impact on our life and where they're coming from. Sometimes I use them as boundary setters, like especially with like new individuals or just um, with like new scenarios where I'm just kind of like, okay, these are my boundaries. This is how I'm going to do it. And if I step out of line or something steps out of line, I'm going to back out and be like, nope, that's not it. Um, that really kind of helps to make sure that I'm not like stressing myself too much. I'm like, across the line so I'm done <laughs> um, but with that said so on the flip side how are expectations how can they kind of cause you hindrance I guess for towards your well-being as opposed to like boosting it up as I was mentioning before when we kind of don't interrogate and analyze the expectations that we um, see on ourselves we don't, when we don't analyze where they're coming from. Are they external pressures? Are they things that we internally have developed ourselves that kind of fit you know, our worldview, our frame of reference, you know, the, the goals that we have set out to do for us? When we don't do that intentionally, that's when the expectations can intensify and sometimes develop into things that are unrealistic or unachievable, which, which will just then lead us into more of a quote-unquote failure um, consequence to um, not meeting those those expectations that aren't kind of um, intentionally formed and and uniquely applied to our current situation and context. Um, with expectations, if they aren't ours, and like we're living for like for instance, like my parents' expectations, it sort of places a heavy burden on us, and it makes everything much more difficult. And I think you like tend to lose a drive. Um, for me, there are times when. Uh, you know, like your parents wish you the best um, for your future. They want to ensure that you're stable, you're happy, um, and that like whatever like form of like your family it, unit will be, it, like will be happy as well, um, right? But there are times when they may be misinformed or not as well informed about certain topics or areas, um, and they kind of... Um, talk to you based off that limited knowledge, right? They they talk to you, they try to career plan and future plan with you um, because they want to be that support network. But at times it can kind of muddle 
your own future aspects, your own future ambitions, because it's like, is that really what I want to do? Or is it just because we've talked about this for the past like 18 years and I've been kind of <laughs> conditioned to think like, this is my career path. I need to do this, 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 and this. And then once I'm done with it, I'm going to be happy for the rest of my life. It isn't like, it doesn't drive you sometimes. Like if that happens and it's not something that you personally want to do, it doesn't drive you and you kind of go through the motions of doing it and you may not be actually flourishing. Um, both mentally and physically and then whatever the like outcome for it so I guess like with your grades or whatnot like those will not reflect as well as they should I think a good example of expectations gone wrong or like when they're set and kind of like work towards at the expense of someone's well-being and I think being conscious like I hear people use that word a lot it it makes a lot of sense because if you're like being conscious of something if something's not really working or I guess in a sports example like if you got injured a few times for doing something like maybe you should change something or in school if you you might have achieved your goals and gotten some good grades and then you realize wow my mental health really took a dip here like setting goals for the semester um so Lorna your sister Sadina actually said this last episode or I guess this will be the episode before that episode, um, she sets goals every single semester, and that's something I used to do in school too. And outside of just reflecting on my grades, I also reflected on how I was performing in the class, how I was feeling in the class, and things I wanted to do differently that would make it like more enriching for me and I guess my, my fellow classmates. So like looking at the whole picture too. So like a holistic approach to expectations could be really helpful too. I definitely agree um, this year. I really struggled with the class in school, my physics class, and I, um, people had told me years before that it was super hard, they weren't gonna take it because it would affect the GPA, and my friends were all joking, you know, yeah, we're all gonna suffer, and so I kind of was like, no, I'm sure it's not that bad, um, it'll be fine, and I kind of set the expectation for myself to, um, I guess, do well easily. Um, I didn't really think about taking what they said into account and um, plan for um, a harder class. And so I had the expectation that I would do well. And then once I noticed I was struggling, I was still really focused on that expectation. And I wasn't really taking how I kind of felt about everything into account. So because of that kind of sense of um, failure with that expectation I had for myself of getting a good grade right from the start and maintaining it, I in the beginning kind of lost my drive to do well in that class. I kind of had the mindset, okay, um, I wasn't able to reach my goal. I didn't fulfill this expectation. And so maybe I can never do it. Or I just um, kind of shut down about that class instead of um, like Danny was saying, looking at it holistically and realizing that um, I need to also feel okay about this class and look at different ways that I can reach my expectation or adjust my expectation to something that fits me and how I am doing and working in this class so that I can, um, I guess, succeed to um, like the best of my ability in that situation. I kind of had to adapt everything for that situation instead of applying an outside expectation that applied to maybe all my other classes to something that was completely different. Yeah, I completely agree. I've had similar experiences because I've always had high expectations 
expectations for myself academically, especially when it comes like schoolwork. And so in the beginning of my junior year, when I transferred schools, I was taking all AP classes and I just had the expectation like, oh, it's like, it should be the same. I should be able to like get an A because like I've always like done that like in a non-conceited way. And in the beginning, I was like really struggling and I was like, how is everyone else like doing so well? Like my grades are slipping and like my mental health wasn't like as good, I guess, because like it was like a new school, new situation, new people, everything. And then later into the school year, I realized or someone brought to my attention that of course, there would be some struggles for you because you're in a new like place and you don't have that support group from the people, like your close friends or anything like that. And I guess the environment that you grow with, grow up in and the environment that you're in, it really does affect like your expectations. And sometimes like you may not see everything holistically, like how it would affect you and your expectations. And you're seeing only one side of the other people in the class, too. Like, they are pretty much projecting what they want others to see. And that can be damaging if we compare, like, our actual lived experience with, like, our perception of, like, what they're going through. And I think it kind of, like, plays into, like, expectations as well that um, Kaylin was mentioning. Like, when we're comparing ourselves to other people, we're, vi we're not considerate of, like, our circumstances. Like... Um, so Lorna, me, Danny, Dr. Rivera, Kaylin, we all come from different backgrounds. We all have different experiences that come into play regarding, I don't know, like if we were taking like AP biology, like <laughs> you know, we're all in different mental states or all um, different like passions on like what our career paths are. And if we're comparing ourselves to one another and we're like, oh my gosh, like Kaylin's getting an A in this class. And I'm like getting like a B minus, like I don't understand what's happening. Um, it's it's kind of like having to come to terms and being kinder to yourself um, and realizing that, like, you know what, like, maybe Kaylin um, has a lot more, like, she she's at a better place, um, I guess, like, at, at a certain circumstance compared to where I am right now. Like, I could be dealing with a lot at home. I could be dealing with um, a lot with, like, my career, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that definitely affects your performance. So it's... It's just like a matter of like mindfulness and just thinking like, am I really like, am I doing the best that I can in this current situation? And if you are and you're, if you're able to say yes, then like, I think it's okay to kind of lower your expectations a little for that class because you are doing your best and um, you're succeeding in that factor. Yeah, I completely agree. But like sometimes, I don't know, for me in my situation... Um, when my parents saw that I wasn't doing so well, they were all like, okay, why don't you just drop a couple classes? And then they were like, it's okay if you drop it. But like in their voice and like their tone, it's like, if you drop it, we expect you to get A's in those other classes. Or like, it's kind of like a little bit of a disappointment. And I was like, no, I know I can do this. I just stuck with it. And like, it ended up getting better. Like, like I ended up with like A's. So I'm like, I guess it was okay. Just like push through, which wasn't necessarily good for my mental, my mental health, but it got better with quarantine, so it's all good. <laughs> I love that you mentioned that your parents were kind of like talking to you and they're like, oh, maybe you can do this, this, and this um, to like kind of help with that situation. And I don't know if that's, this is with your parents, but sometimes when my parents do it, I don't know if they're ex like purposely doing it, but I'm kind of like internalizing some of it. And I'm like, what are you trying to say? When I'm like not able to do it, they're like, oh, that's okay. So I'll just use a real life example. So I'm like pre-med. I've been pre-med for like a hot minute. Um, and so I decided to take a sabbatical just because I was going through a lot of burnout and my mental health was just like, 
Like it was in a bad place. And so I needed time to recuperate. And my parents were starting to realize how difficult like the whole medical school process was. Because in their minds, they're like, you do bam, bam, bam. You like go to undergrad, you go to med school, you, and then you're done. And I'm like, there's more to med school than just finishing. After med school, you have residency. After residency, you have potential fellowship. And if you finish fellowship, you can also do subspecialty. I'm sorry if this is new information, Kaylin. You're making a face. And I know you're pre-med as well. Um, but they started talking to me, and they're like, oh, maybe, maybe you shouldn't be a doctor because it seems too hard. And I'm like, okay, like, I know you mean that in a good way. Then what do you want me to be? And they're like, you can, you can do nursing. I'm like, nursing's just as hard. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Um, like, I understand where you're coming from, but it was just kind of, like, interesting how they, like, changed those expectations of me. And in a way, it was kind of like, am I disappointing y'all because I'm not fulfilling your, like, desires of me becoming a doctor, like, doing it so quickly? Um, but as I'm, like, we're older, I'm just kind of like, eh. Like, they have a lot of expectations to me that's their expectations, not mine. Like, I'm already, like, set. Like, I'm going to be a doctor one way or another. Like, if it takes me a couple more years, it takes me a couple more years. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just, I think it comes with time. And I, I know it's, like, super annoying, especially when you're younger and I've been there. I hate it when my cousins were like, oh, you're young. Like, it's, it's going to take time. Like, you'll figure it out. And I'm like, that's so condescending. Like, don't tell that to me. But now that I'm older, I'm like, yeah, it, it, it does take time, unfortunately, sometimes. Um, I think your parents are more understanding than, like, my parents are. I'm not sure if you have any siblings or not, but I have two younger siblings. And, well, sometimes it feels like whenever I don't do well in a class, I didn't do so well, like, on a test or something. It was, like, a pretty big test. And my parents, we were in the car because they were dropping us off at school. And they sort of, my dad just sort of turned his attention to my siblings after talking to me like like how I didn't do so well and then it was sort of like oh so like my first daughter failed maybe like my other children can do it and I was like oh okay so one slip up and like I guess that's it <laughs> but yeah they still have expectations though it's just like a little bit lower it goes up and down <laughs> over time and a lot of what I'm hearing and thank you both all of you for sharing these very meaningful stories that are really giving a lot of life to this idea of expectations and how they operate in our lives. But you're talking a lot, we've been, what I'm hearing a lot of are these implied expectations, especially from parents and family that aren't always spoken, that then as a young person, we have to, I'm saying we, even though I'm not young anymore, but you have to then kind of decipher and <laughs> figure out what is really what is what is the implied message right what are, what is really being sent to me and the the messages can be a variety that we can come up with if we don't kind of get to the root of what do you mean and i heard jay like in your talks to your parents you kind of question well, what do you mean by that right so sometimes we have to kind of engage in that process with our families especially where we're used to having just a lot of implied messages coming through that's a lot of how we were we were taught initial things growing up it's how we learn culture that's how we learn um, a lot of the, the basic things that we now rely upon um, to just lead our lives but when we don't interrogate what the meaning behind it where it's coming from um, sometimes we kind of miss the we, we kind of misinterpret what that implied 
uh, expectation is, and we can develop it into something that is greater than what it actually was. And so it kind of becomes contingent upon the, the, the children sometimes to kind of question their parents. And, um, and I know that that can speak, sound defiant sometimes. Um, I know that sometimes we're, we're in cultures where you're not supposed to question your parents. Um, I can <laughs> uh, definitely uh, relate to that one. Um, and at the same time, um, I think it's important for us to engage in meaningful conversation, which means that we will have to um, question um, our, our parents or what have you in a respectful way, of course, about um, their expectations they have for us and, and, and how we're kind of being impacted by that as well by sharing that, that impact with, with our families. I think in the long run, our families just want us to succeed. They want us to do well. Um, in many cases, they want us to do better than them. I know that's come up in other conversations, which is also another set of expectations, but we can dialogue with them. And I think that when it comes down to it, people tend to be a bit more understanding than not. Sometimes they need to, um, we need to chip at that, that ice for a long time, but I think that that, that understanding um, is often achievable. That brought to mind, I think, a famous quote in the church. Um, I think St. Francis of Assisi once said, um, don't seek to be understood so much as to seek to understand. And it, like, really pays off a lot. And I've found that sometimes, like, if I think that my parents are implying some sort of expectation or I feel like they're, like, challenging me or they're, I don't know, if I feel slighted or something, sometimes I'm just reading into something that maybe isn't really there. Instead of dialoguing with them and, like, try and just understand them. Sometimes I'll just react and then it's just kind of like, okay, then we have to like go backwards and be like, okay, what happened there? Like, well, we really weren't trying to offend you. <laughs> like, um, it's, I just, sometimes like when I'm on edge, that can happen. But I think dialoguing is a really great way to prevent that because it's a win-win situation to shed light on the topic. Maybe they were, maybe they did have some sort of expectation and you can talk about that and maybe educate them a little bit more. Maybe they really just want you to succeed and they just want to support you and then you can understand that more. So I think um, seeking to understand, it's a good place to start because when other people feel understood, they're more likely to try to understand you. So I think it goes both ways. And I love that you mentioned how like sometimes like you may not, like you may be like in a certain like emotional space and you may misinterpret it because of that. Um, because like I've definitely have had circumstances where I'm like maybe not in a good place and my parents like may say like a slight comment but they usually say that I typically just brush off because I'm like I've been hearing that since I was three no big deal but like in that particular moment I'm like what do you mean by that and so um, like it's, it's it's sometimes it's good to pause and then kind of sit and like think back about it later on when you're in like the calmer zen mode because um, then like it's it, it may just have been like no big deal for mentioning Danny. So we've been talking about expectations a lot regarding like family. Um, so I'm just wondering like where are other places that y'all have found that expectations kind of like derive from at least like for pressures on you? Um, I know that I sometimes get expectations from my teachers in my AP classes. In the beginning of the school year my AP bio teacher told the whole class oh last year everyone like 98% of the class got fives, only like two people got twos. And then we all just like looked around and we we're like, oh, okay, shoot. Like, well, hopefully I'm part of that 98%. And so there's kind of expectations for my teachers to do well, especially when they have like a reputation of having like so many students having getting fives on the test. 
That's a lot of pressure. I feel like I didn't have that at my school so much. Like my AP Spanish class senior year had like five people in it and it was like the first time they brought the class back in like 15 years. So a slightly different culture. Um, but yeah, I think I get it from my parents, sometimes family, like sometimes like my grandmother. I feel like cousins, like I look up to them and I feel like they can definitely be intimidating sometimes to talk to because they've accomplished a lot and they're older and they've just lived through a lot. Um, so I guess it's, it's really inspiring to be able to talk with them sometimes, but I don't feel a lot of pressure from them necessarily because they're also like younger and I guess they can relate to me and they don't want to add more pressure on cause they already know like my parents and everybody. So yeah. And from school, not as much, not as much, but if I had like a really good teacher or something, I'd be like, I really want to do well because like they just did such a good job and that kind of adds another motivation for me. So that would be more of like a positive motivation. When you were talking, Janet, it actually reminded me of an experience I had this year concerning like my physics class and um, expectations with that. I would say um, expectations can also come from the community you're in. Um, and so my church does a um, academic recognition program. And so um, every year since I was little, my sisters and I have done it. And then we've always had, you know, like all A's, A honor roll, that type of thing on there and um so this year my sister and i we didn't have you know always that 4.0 gpa um and so we kind of like purposefully forgot to like sign up for that program because of that um i guess implied equitation i mean no one at our church was telling us you have to be like a perfect straight a student but um because of what we'd had in the past and um, people at our church always congratulating us and talking about it. Oh, you guys are like the smart girls and things like that. We kind of um, felt that pressure almost that not only did we have to get, not only did we want to get this good grade, but it matters in like our communities and like our family and things like that. And it's going to show in it um, almost as if it would change our identity. Um, so, I mean, looking back, I kind of wish that I did participate just to kind of show, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. And also for myself to come to that realization that um, I'm working as hard as I can and I, sh and I deserve to have academic recognition. Um, so, yeah, that's one thing I, I actually hadn't really considered until I was sitting here right now on this podcast. Like, there are also expectations coming from, you know, my every, my weekly um, community experience and, like, situations. I like how you said how it's sort of part of your identity because my family, I know my grandma, every time she visits us, she would only, she would always say like the same three things, like one, become a doctor, two, play the piano, and three, can I see your grades? And it's always the same thing. And so whenever my siblings and I have to like show her our grades and like print it out for her because she likes to keep it in a binder in her office, like that's how serious it is. Like ever since like kindergarten and like anything with reports, she always asks for a copy and she has, for each of her grandkids, she has a binder with all of our, like, grades. And if you look back, like, all of mine, like, were A's, but, like, up until, like, junior year, like, they were, like, there was, like, a B or so or something like that. Well, yeah, basically a B. But um, I kind of just told her, like, oh, you know, like, we don't really do grades anymore. And she was like, oh, wait, really? And I was like, yeah, you know, you know, new school, kind of different system. And I just, like, sort of, like, brushed it off and, like. I, I don't want to put that in the binder, <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was, I think it's kind of weird how like expectations like make us do stuff like that. I kind of lied, but you know, 
it's part of my identity, I guess. And I guess that's something I want to change. Like, my grades don't really define who I am as a person. (laughs) So I really like how you, like, were comfortable sharing that um, interaction with your grandma because I've definitely had circumstances where, like, I'm not comfortable going to certain family events anymore because of those, like, familial expectations or ideas or concepts um, that they may have, right? Like, I, like, my family is a very tight-knit, like, community. Like, my grandma, when she immigrated here to the States, like, she brought, like, six out of her nine children here with her. And so, like, we all, like, live in Houston. We're, like, we're, like, in Houston. Like, Houston's our home base. And so, like, when we all meet with each other, it's, like, this huge gathering of, like, 20, 30-plus, like, individuals. And very typical of, like, collectivist culture, everybody knows everybody's business. And there are times when you know, like, when you're on, like, breaks, or you may not be doing so well, like, everybody's on top of them, they may be meaning well, but it's just, it's a lot of pressure, and it's a lot coming at you at once, especially if that's so many people, and at times, like, um, I found myself, like, closing myself off in them, because I'm, like, I love y'all, but, like, I don't want to share this part of my life with you, because I don't want to get nagged at, or I don't want to kind of be, like, come after because of this, Um, And, like, I'm slowly trying to, like, break out of that, like, idea of, like, they mean well. Um, They're not trying to be, like, harmful about it. And I think it's because there are points in terms of, like, my certain expectations that I've set for myself that I may not have currently achieved at the moment. And there's, like, a bit of shame that I have personally because I haven't done so. Um, And I think that's kind of, like, manifesting in this. And so I'm, like, trying to, like, work through that as well like it's okay that I haven't achieved like all these life goals that I made like 10 years ago for myself like it's okay to be um, as I mentioned earlier like kinder to myself that like it's okay to extend expectations a bit or like lower them or whatnot and so you know just thought it was a really good point that you made Kaylin. I think it's really interesting we have these roles for ourselves like the smart one or like the, the we either gave ourselves or like the church gave us or like our parents or grandmother with the binder which I haven't heard of that one before but that's very impressive <laughs> um but yeah it's like almost like Instagram like if a girl is like really or a guy or whoever has like an account and they're known to be a certain type of influencer they feel like they have to post within that theme so like either like lifestyle or they all all their pictures that have to make them look really good or maybe they're like a goofy youtuber or something so some they get to have some like funny pictures and personality pictures but it kind of feels like a like our lives are almost like a portfolio and some in one way or another just within our roles like as a student we have like a whole portfolio and it's like we don't want if something isn't up to I guess a certain standard we want to just erase it and not include it but that's not it's like it happens. So just like being able to acknowledge that, it kind of frees yourself from its grasp. Oh, I guess, Dr. Rivera, how would you say that we adjust our expectations in a way that wouldn't affect our mental health as much? Because <laughs> I feel like expectations come from everywhere we go. And sometimes it's just really hard to focus on like what's important and what's not. Kaylin, that is a very important and, and a, a big question. And I'll, I'll try to answer as best as possible. Uh, without speaking too much. But I, I think that that's a process of human development, kind of a normative development as we progress from childhood to adolescence to early adulthood to adulthood. Um, and I know that many of you are in that late adolescence, early adulthood stage. I think a lot of 
special things happen during that time of our life. You know, there's a, a brain physiology that, you know, we have some pre-med folks on the phone, so you can probably uh, describe that physiology of what happens to the brain as it's developing in later adolescence to kind of solidify the connections of learning that the neurons have created um, in our brains. But kind of towards later adolescence, there's an influx of gray matter in the brain, that, and that's really all those loose neurons just waiting to make connections. And I think that we can really harness the power of our physiology um, in our late adolescence, early adulthood, by really being intentional about what our path is, what motivates us, what is our moral compass. You know that, that term "moral" is very um, loaded, but I mean, what is your personal guide? What do you feel are the things that drive you and that are crucial and essential to who you are as a person? And that requires a deep dive into who we are and to our self-awareness. And it requires us to kind of um, navigate, if you will, the murky waters of our identities that include all of the external stuff that we've internalized that we might not even agree with, but it, the messages have been so strong over time that we have, they become a part of who we are. And we almost forget that these things came from an external location and not really from um, who we are as our unique um, uh, personalities and people that we're developing to be. So I think that young people especially are, and I think it can happen at any time of our time, or lifetime, but especially younger folks, um, I think that, that there's um, a lot that can happen in these younger years, again, as the brain is still forming to create the, the, strong, the strong pathways that, that really program who we are as people, that we can kind of mess with it a bit by being intentional about what our motivations are, by by taking stock of what are what are the things that that motivate us, what do I want to be, who do I see myself as, and kind of trying to to tease out some of those external things that maybe we just don't quite really believe in, or that might actually be causing us undue stress um, in terms of trying to um, meet an expectation that again is unrealistic for for who we are and who we hope to be. Oh, uh, thank you for that. That like I think I understand. Like, I guess it's sometimes it's just hard to do that deep dive, I guess, like, and break away from those expectations. <laughs> yeah, it really is. So it's easier said than done. And it's also easier from my perspective in life where not only, you know, I'm at a different stage of life generationally than, than you all, but I also, you know, my training to become a psychologist has forced me to take a deep dive into my um persona in terms of my worldview and what drives me. Like I had to do that in certain courses and along the way and continue to do that. And so I'm really thankful for that training and for those experiences. But I know those are replicable for anybody regardless of the kind of career that you're you're going down. Um, so maybe it's even just starting to, to journal and the journal topic being this is about me. And I'm gonna try to figure out every day what are the things that that are that I'm doing in my life that help me to kind of stay centered and what are the things that are kind of causing disruptions in my life? And that, that can maybe be a, a first step in trying to figure out um, what my, my true ideals and, and expectations are um, apart from what society um, and family and culture and, and all these things are telling me I should be. What you just mentioned, Dr. Rivera, like encompasses all of it. Um, but like for me, there are certain aspects of like my culture that like has caused a lot of like dissonance and like a lot of like internalized fighting for myself um with certain identities that i hold right um so like for example like being lgbtq 
um, and then being like a male in the family, the first like male, I guess, in line, um, there's like this pressure of like having to like one, take care of like the extended family and then also the pressure of, um, you know, like carrying the family in line, which is very misogynistic, I know. And it's, it's very like, it's archaic, <laughs> uh, but it, but it's, it, it's very ingrained and it, at times it's like, it kind of brings shame, I guess, like, or it has in terms of like being able to like balance out like the two like cultural aspects of it and also just like the logistical of like, no, like that's what they want. That's like old school, eh, whatever. And like, this is who I am as a person and like carrying on. So for those instances, like, would you say like, it's similar to like what you're just mentioning with like journaling and like kind of like centering yourself or are there like additional like techniques and exercises that would be able to kind of help in those situations? Yeah, I think, um, Jay, I, I love all the points that you're making and definitely culture. Um, I don't want to give the misimpression that I want people to break away from cultural influences because our cultural influences are really important, right? But we also get to choose how we live out our cultural influences, right, to an extent. And it's kind of figuring out that nuance of, well, how do I make this cultural norm my own brand of the cultural norm? You know, culture changes over time. Every generation um, adds something different. You know, culture is ever shifting. Um, as people, we are influenced by culture, but we also shape the cultures that we are a part of um, as being, by being active participants and actors in, the, in those cultures. Um, so, but given that, I think that it's also important to have these conversations with other people that we trust and, and love around us, people that, people whose opinions that we value. This is where having mentors is, is really important. Um, I rely on mentors on a daily basis. And I have a variety of mentors that I've accumulated over the course of my lifetime. And my mentors aren't always older than me. Sometimes they're younger than me. Sometimes they're in your, you, I learn so much from my, my every time I have a conversation with uh, the youth advisory board and, and the members that compose it in and their friends, um, I'm always enriched by that conversation. So in a way, you're mentoring me um, in terms of your current experiences and what, you, what you're going through. But the, the point is, is that we need others around us um, to kind of serve as reflections of our information. Um, people give back things to us that we give to them, and we sometimes hear it in a different way. Uh, we also can, we also need other people to tell us things that we might not even see about ourselves. Um, I have this conversation with my students often about um, taking stock of their, their strengths. And when I ask people about their strengths, and I ask all my students first day of class when they're introducing themselves, I want to know how they got their name, and I also want to know one strength. And sometimes there are seconds and minutes that follow that question. But when I ask what are some challenges, and I usually do that rhetorically because people can readily list off a litany of challenges <laughs> that they have harder time with strengths, right? And so that's why it's often, and sometimes people around us can see our strengths before we can see them and acknowledge them. So similarly, it can be helpful to have these conversations with other people about, about our expectations, about their expectations, just as you all are doing this with each other um, as a way to kind of take stock of, of expectations and, and trying to really figure out what are, what are mine and, and how do I want to live them out? Um, I can go first. I guess for me, one of the thorns would be that I have to retake my bio test or my bio exam on 
I had to retake my bio exam on the third. And then something good that happened was that I'm so, I don't, I've been playing a lot of games with like my sister, like, cause my sister is like seventh grade, I think. And she plays a lot of Minecraft. So I've just been like bonding with her over Minecraft. So like whenever I go watch, she would already be on. She's like, Kaylin, like party with me. And then we just like play for like hours. And I guess it's kind of cool to like, just, she's like the main one I've been FaceTiming. Cause like we have our computers in our room and it's kind of fun. Um, so I guess I'll go now. So a rose for me would be um, celebrating, I think I said this in the other episode, but just getting to celebrate my cousins this week, like graduating from high school, college, like all over, being able to celebrate them over family Zoom calls and toasts. That's been a big rose for me. And then a thorn is, I guess, the fact that it's just not in person. But we're all really looking forward to when we can celebrate in person with each other. And birthdays, too. Um, I would say I kind of have a similar thorn. Mine is, um, I guess, not being able to enjoy this summer outside and with my friends and also dance and things like that. Because last summer I spent it all um, studying for the SAT. So I was kind of looking forward to that. Um, and then I think my rose will be getting to help plan my my twin and my own birthday, which will be at the end of June. Um, I think it'll be really fun because we'll have more time since we're normally super busy. So even though it's at home, we'll get to kind of like sit down and celebrate with just ourselves and our family. I'm really excited for that. Nice. I think there are so many thorns right now. <laughs> it's hard to pick one, but a major one has been the heaviness of the, the anti-Black actions that continue to permeate our society and that have just achieved, you know, so much uh, more attention this week. Um, so just sitting with that a lot right now. But a, a rose was we were able to celebrate the graduation of the the counseling students in the program that I work in. So launching another class of healers into the communities that really need them, especially right now, was was a highlight of my week for sure. Um, for me, I married Dr. Rivera's porn. Um, it's just a lot of a lot of stimulation and then a lot of um, needing to kind of look towards my like immediate like circles and trying to counter any like anti-blackness that I see and like really having those like tough conversations with family members, um, which in themselves are kind of interesting, I think, just to see where they're coming from. Cause I'm like, huh, but um, anyway, um, a rose for me would be that I got to see uh, my cousin. Granted, we were like, we were doing like a car date. We were like in two separate cars. Um, but she came down from um, St. Louis to visit her mom and help out. Um, so it's been a hot minute and it was really good to catch up with her. And that's all, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. To continue the conversation, check out the Steve Fund website for blog posts and summaries of our podcast. While you're there, feel free to also explore different programs, initiatives, and events that the Steve Fund has coming up. If you would like to leave any future topics or themes for us to discuss, or even a comment, feel free to email us at yv@stevefund.org. Thanks, and until you tune in again, be safe and be well.